Hey everyone, my name is Bridget McCullough and this is Episodes to Wellbeing at Work. Health risk assessments have been deemed as one of the foundational tools of a wellness program, helping to identify health and wellness risks and opportunities for both employees at the individual level and for employers at the population level. In this episode, we welcomed two experts from WebMD Health Services, an industry leader providing corporate well-being program solutions and a longtime partner of Ohio Health Employer Solutions. Aaron Severson, Senior Director of Health Research, and Greg Bacon, Senior Product Manager, joined us to discuss whether or not HRAs are still relevant and valuable and how they have evolved over the years to meet the unique needs and challenges of today's workforce. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Episodes to Wellbeing at Work. My name is Bridget McCullough, and I am your host today. I always say that I'm excited to talk to our guests, and I promise you I always mean it, but I am really, really excited about this episode today. This is the very first time that we've invited two people who are not associates of Ohio Health to be our guests but they are a fantastic partner of Ohio Health Employer Solutions. We've been partnering with WebMD Health Services to support our clients longer than the five years that I've been at Ohio Health. And for this particular topic that I'm being asked about constantly lately from our employer partners, there was just no way that we could do it justice without inviting our friends from WebMD. And that topic, is health risk assessments. Are they still relevant and valuable? How they've evolved over the years? If employers are going to invest in an HRA, how do they make sure that they pick a good one that will be useful both to the organization and to the end user? We're going to dive into it all today. So we have Aaron Severson and Greg Bacon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good morning. I am going to start very broadly. What is a health risk assessment? How would you actually define it? And then what is the value that it brings, in your opinion, to organizations and to their employees? Health assessments have been a component of employee well-being programs for decades. So it's a very popular offering. It's a really important offering. And generally speaking, What we're talking about today very specifically represents a questionnaire. So it's a survey that's typically implemented on an annual basis, and it allows for a couple of different things. We're capturing information about individuals and their health status, their health and well-being status, and we're collecting that information to help create an experience to help guide individuals to different resources and tools For employers, it serves as a mechanism to collect information to understand where the opportunities lie within a population. So where we may need to target programs, where we may need to focus communications. So in general, health assessment is a data collection process. There are many different ways to think about it and many different components to the overall assessment process, but a major component of that is the survey instrument. And again, that's a set of questions that are asked on an annual basis 
to collect information about an individual's health status. We definitely view the health risk assessment for the participant as kind of the gateway to the well-being program in general. So it opens up a lot of doors, referrals to coaching programs or other condition management programs, that sort of thing. So definitely the gateway to well-being in general for the participant. For the end user, the assessment itself it's a really important component to their overall experience within a well-being program in the sense that we can use that information to create what we like to refer to as teachable moments. So it is not just the process of collecting inf information, but we then take that information and we can distill it into recommendations that are really targeted based on what they just told us to help support them through their process of evolving their well-being or working their way through the behavior change process. So it feeds back into what Greg was just referring to as refining that participant experience. The HRA can not only be a gateway, but kind of springboard a program year for a participant and really thinking about, okay, where do we go from here? So thinking about those referrals and thinking about the behavior change model. So we just assessed ourselves uh, next up is an opportunity to learn more and then to take action. So just thinking about those next steps is a big thing. I always encourage our employer clients to think through. Your specific platform to you know connect people with a health coach or to connect them with other programming that's being offered or even with other vendors that are that you're working with through various benefit offerings. It really serves it up to the person based on how they respond to the HRA, which is great. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually ran some studies last year looking at participant behavior at the end of the assessment, and users really did gravitate toward the score and also the risk reports on the, the results page. So you, you completed the assessment, there's a landing page there, and uh, those risk reports, we were surprised. We were glad to see that users would scroll down and they would spend some time there. So that's really the opportunity to learn a bit, but then also there are links to a lot of useful content. And that's really what we're trying to provide is like, here are some next steps. For instance, you've learned maybe you're at risk for diabetes. Well, what are some resources where you can learn more about what diabetes is? What can you do to help prevent that? But then above that on our landing page, we provide employers opportunity to configure their own referrals. So coaching is a, is a big one really getting users that kind of hands-on with a live coach is really important to empower them. Also promoting other tools and services. So behavior change tools to create new daily habits, for instance, or maybe exercise promoting challenges that will be coming up in the not too distant future. So really guiding the user to think about learning more about risk areas, then also think about what are action steps that I can take. That's great. So making it very personalized to the individual, helping to empower them either to get involved with some other offerings that you might have available or to make some different decisions, just to give them the tools that they need to really learn about their health and maybe to check in on their health and well-being and figure out some next steps. Is that accurate? Spot on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great. And I know, Erin, you mentioned they've been around for a while, right? Like a really yes. long time. And I Very think long. 
for a lot of my clients, I know it, it is that gatekeeper. It's like step one, take your health risk assessment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it does connect them to so many great resources and benefits that are available through the employer. So why do you think that some employers are maybe questioning their relevance at this point? Is it just because it feels like we've been doing this forever? I know I've just heard well, you know, we survey our employees a lot in a lot of different ways. Some people are just kind of getting sick of it. What do you think might be the reason why some employers are maybe questioning whether or not to continue offering an HRA? That is an excellent question. And I have to say, too, even coming from where I sit in research, this is a question that actually seems to ebb and flow over time. We start to question what is the value and then we settle in and recognize that they actually are a really important part of the overall process. And then the question comes back, but that is part of what evolves our industry ongoing. I think part of the challenge, historically, health assessments have been predominantly focused on assessing for physical health. So really getting more clinical in nature, understanding where individuals are in terms of their clinical well-being assessing for presence of chronic conditions, assessing for risk of chronic conditions, where they are in terms of their preventive exams. And it's been more recently that the assessment experience has evolved to become more holistic in nature, which has been evolving really along the same path, almost parallel pathing the overall industry and how we've broadened our focus our conversation more holistically on well-being, recognizing that the individuals that are coming to work for us are humans and they are complex and there's a lot that's going on with them. It's not just their physical self, it's their mental, emotional, spiritual self. It's about work well-being. So it's a much more holistic perspective. So I think that's been part of the challenge over the years is that it has seemed stagnant but it has absolutely evolved to be more innovative in terms of use of technology and innovative in terms of what information we're capturing and how we're using that information. I would also challenge that oftentimes assessments are simply used to capture the data. And as an organization who's offering these questionnaires to their populations, it's really important to think about how the organization would use the information. So it's one thing just to offer it because it's a check the box and it's something that we should be doing because it's a best practice component of well-being programs. But what do you actually do with that? There's value to the individual and they're learning and they're getting the teachable moments and we're able to refine the programs for them. But as an employer, what are we doing with that information that we're learning about from our populations? And so I think that's another area of opportunity is really maximizing the utility for employers to look at the data, to use it as a needs assessment, again, understanding where the risks and opportunities lie within the population, and then being able to use that data to focus the strategy. I think that the health assessments really represent unique opportunities to gather information about the employee populations that isn't otherwise available. This isn't information that can be gathered from claims or for human resource information. This is a unique tool to really help us get ahead of any sort of clinical onset of conditions. 
health assessment does tend to provide much more upstream information. And Mm. by that, I mean, claims tend to hit when somebody needs to take action or once a diagnosis has occurred, right? So they're getting clinical intervention for a condition or for a health situation. Health assessment is meant to get upstream from that. So it allows for much more early intervention Mm -hmm. as it relates to the downstream claims where it tends to be more supporting based off of an incident that has already occurred. From a referral perspective, that is one area where I, I think that both data sources are really important to look at. There should be a lot of correlation. We've seen that in our research, that there is a lot of correlation between health assessment and claims data, but having that early view based on health assessment does help to validate what's being seen in the claims and vice versa. You said so much there, Erin. That was so so great. I get very excited about health assessment, I have to say. (laughs) I love that. No, it's great. It's perfect. There's a lot to, to unpack there, which is really, really helpful. Part of what I'm hearing from you, and I think is important for employers, is to make sure that health risk assessments, they're not all the same. So a lot of the elements that you're talking about, you want to make sure that those exist for whatever health risk assessment you're using, right? So you need to make sure that it is going to be useful for the end user, that it is going to not just be something that they fill out and forget about, that it's actually going to serve them up opportunities to make improvements for their health and well-being. And that also for the employer, that you're asking the right questions that are going to be useful because I know I talk to my clients about this all the time. If you're not using the data, then it is, of course, not useful. But we do want to make sure that we are asking the right questions, that we're asking things, like you said, Erin, are not being asked anywhere else. Because it doesn't make sense to be asking things where you can already get that data from something else, whether it's through an employee engagement survey or through claims data, or if you're doing like an employee needs an interest survey. Those are very Mm -hmm. separate things. And so we want to make sure that it is very useful, that it is holistic, like you said as well. They have been, good ones anyway, have been evolving where we're now asking Mm -hmm. questions about mental health, about financial wellness, about safety, about social determinants of health, and sort of digging into some other things that aren't being asked anywhere else but are so incredibly valuable for those who are working on designing benefits and wellness opportunities. So did I capture that correctly to what you said? So many things I wanted to make sure I reiterated some of those great points. Quite beautifully, quite beautifully. And I think to sum it up also, and maybe this is an extension of all of the things that we just said, is that it's really not enough just to assess. It's not enough just to collect all of this information, even if it is more holistic in nature. We really need to have action that follows from it. So action for the participant and action for the employer. So thinking again about how we're using the data to really facilitate the advancement of well-being within the participant, the individual, and within the organization. Yes. And I think that was something that took the industry a little while, the research to catch up, just having people answer this isn't going to push them to make a change just by giving them a score or 
saying, here's how you're doing, that's not enough. There needs to be better calls to action, which you called out what that might look like. I am wondering, you've already mentioned some things already, and and Greg, you might be good to answer this question too. I'm guessing you've seen other HRAs besides WebMDs, but I'm just curious to know if you, what have you seen where it's gone wrong? Like an HRA that's not good. What's a red flag? (laughs) Definitely one of the, the most common complaints I think would just be having overly complicated or too long of an HRA. It's hard for the participant to see the connection between what they're doing and those referrals, that gateway, it makes it feel canned and you can just feel burdened and overwhelmed answering so many questions. That I think would be the chief area where we go wrong oftentimes. Yes. And I think when we were prepping for this call, I shared with you the one that I had seen, I'm a dietitian by trade, so it was a nutrition-related question asking how many servings of plant-based protein you eat in a week or something. And I could, I'm like, I can't, I'm a dietitian. I cannot answer this question. <laughs> so I think, yes, too long for sure and complicated. Definitely, if you're asking questions that are difficult to answer for the average person or even an expert in the field of nutrition, (laughs) then you might want to rethink how you're asking it. And if it's truly necessary, do you need to ask all of that to get to the heart of whether or not this person needs support in that specific area? Yeah. And the other thing that we think about too, and this is just really best practice in terms of any form of survey development, but it is also thinking about the reading level, thinking about health literacy from that perspective. Mm -hmm. So we service organizations that have very diverse populations. And so we really need to design these instruments and these experience with that in mind. We have to be able to help meet the need, meet individuals across the spectrum of where they are with the single instrument. And so we think about health literacy we think about inclusivity, we think about accessibility and wanting also, and Greg, I would love for you to speak to this a little bit more, how we address concerns around confidentiality and privacy. We've done a lot of research and we recognize that that is often a barrier for individuals. Mm -hmm. Individuals choose not to participate in well-being offerings because they may feel uncertain or concerned about what's happening with their data. So Greg, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely a concern in today's world. People are a little leery of big data. So the messaging is really important. And especially for an employer, we talked about strategy, the strategy around our well-being program. So we're looking at aggregate level data. So having that messaging up front, letting the participant know we're not using your data, we're not selling it, your individual level data, other than for that high level strategy. So we can tailor our program to provide best services, to really be there for you and our population, but just making sure that our end users are aware that their user level data is not going to be sold on the open market, that kind of thing. And that it's not going to be seen by the employer either. You know, the employer is right. only going exactly. to get, get it back at the, because I think that's another concern. They're only seeing it at aggregate level so that they can see, not that 
John Smith is a smoker, but that this percentage of people are smokers. So maybe we need to have an offering. The other thing I'm thinking of is almost the flip side of the coin where it's there's concern about the confidentiality from the participant perspective, but we've also heard questions coming from employers about the integrity of the data coming in. Some of the things that we like to think about a lot is the culture, the environment that is in place within an organization. So culture is very important, having a supportive environment for individuals to feel enabled to participate in these and to offer up their personal feedback, responding truthfully to these assessments. And we've had great success. Part of it comes to survey design and creating questions, leveraging validated instruments. So you know that you're collecting the right information based on the question that's being rendered and it's been tested and validated, supported by research. And then there's also the trust that exists between the employee and their organization. And we have seen instances where that trust relationship is broken and individuals don't feel inclined to provide responses to the health assessment in a way that truly reflects their experience. And we see that reflected in the data when we sit down to do reporting where it simply doesn't align to what we might expect based off of our research and benchmarking practices. And then it brings the opportunity to talk about bigger issues that are, again, really foundational elements when it comes to building a culture of well-being. It's hard work and it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time to move that, but sometimes there is work that needs to be done to get an organization to a point where this sort of data capture makes sense. That is such a good call out. Erin, I don't know that I've thought about it in that way before. I mean, we're always talking with clients about culture for many reasons, things Mm -hmm. that we see in the data and just what we have come to know about their population and things that might be getting in the way of engagement. Yes. And I feel like trust is huge for a lot of of things related Mm -hmm. to well-being in the workplace and whether or not people are going to engage If you just have an environment that's lacking trust, if you don't have a psychologically safe environment just in Mm -hmm. general across the board, this is just going to be one more way that employees are going to say, nope, (laughs) I'm not doing that because you've given me every reason to believe that I can't trust you. Exactly, exactly. And it's interesting thinking back to, to the idea of engagement. So We've surveyed our clients. We've done broader research. We know that when we think of the top goals, the goals of an employer for their well-being program, it's to improve engagement and to improve the health of their population, of which health assessment is a really important component to both of those things. And we have a lot of levers that we're able to take advantage of, to push and pull, to try to boost uptake of the assessment experience, which then of course fosters, as we were saying earlier, those teachable moments, the triaging, the personalization, getting individuals hooked into the right programs at the right time. So it's thinking about 
how we communicate, how we market the experience to the participants. Rewards is another area that we like to think about, very powerful tool from an extrinsic motivation perspective to just get people started, which is often enough when it comes to health assessment. It's a pretty simple action. And so it doesn't require a lot of incentive, if you will, to get people to take action in this space. And then there's also culture, which really is, it undergirds all of these things. And to your point about trust, feeling supported, those factors are highly influenced also by forces that are happening at a much broader societal level too. When you think about the past few years and the journey that we've all been on and coming out of COVID and the new work environment and the multiple (laughs) work models that we have and people working remote versus hybrid, like it's complicated. It's really complicated now. And so for employers to really focus on weaving well-being into their culture where it becomes more of an extension of their culture is really where I think the rubber meets the road, if you will. And now we're straying far away from HRAs. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) But we can always bring it right back. (laughs) I love this. No, I love where you're going with this, Erin, because I agree with you. And And I think it's not just about health risk assessments, but it's about well-being initiatives in general is what you're speaking to. HRA is just a part of that. It's a really, but it's a really, really valuable tool when you're trying to connect people to the right things, but then also to create an appropriate strategy, which I have found with clients sometimes is, okay, I think we've, we've done all we can here without doing anything about some of the cultural elements that are getting in the way. Like we've kind of hit the mark. This is as much engagement as we're going to get, or we're seeing engagement start to dwindle. And I think we're seeing a lot of that post pandemic era Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I was just talking to a client about this yesterday because people got a taste of things that might be now taken away and things like flexibility and <laughs> having mm-hmm. to come into the office all the time. So there's other areas I think that contribute to somebody's well-being in the workplace. And when people are feeling kind of down and out about that, it makes some of this other stuff that's really valuable, it might make them sort of push away, even though it doesn't have anything to do necessarily with yeah. the assessment itself, which is really unfortunate because it is an incredibly valuable tool. I, that's one of the things that I do is I work with our clients to help them develop a strategy mm-hmm. around health and well-being, and we look at a lot of data. But an HRA is definitely at the top of the list in terms of what's useful to dictate yeah. what to do next. And kind of leaning into that and bringing it back to health assessment This tool can also be used to support those broader conversations as well. So many health assessments and the WebMD, one assessment in particular does offer functionality for employers to add other questions. So if there are areas of interest, if it's related to benefits or if it's related to different dimensions of well-being 
or there are goals that are being put forth as part of a well-being strategy, we can craft questions that don't exist as part of the core question set and append them to the assessment experience so that we're reaching a pretty broad spectrum of the population and we're able to stitch those data points together. So we'd be able to link responses to these additional questions to other health-related information that we're capturing in the assessment. So from a needs assessment to a strategy perspective, having that sort of capability where we're broadening and creating meaningful measurement within that experience is a highly useful tool. We have a number of clients who take advantage of that capability to help inform their strategy. Yes, I am so glad you brought that up. That's definitely <laughs> something that we do with our clients that utilize it. We have some questions that we've decided we want to ask broadly to all of the clients that we work with, or we make recommendations for what they could use those custom questions for. And it varies. I know some of our employers are using it more for employee engagement type of questions. So mm -hmm. questions related to the connection between well-being and the work itself because they don't do an engagement survey. A lot of employers do that, either do a large one annually, or now I know doing pulse surveying is becoming more popular to do smaller surveys throughout mm -hmm. the year, yeah. which is a capability that you also have, which is <laughs> But it's nice that you can make that connection for them and find ways to fit that in, especially as I'm talking to them and learning more about what their overarching organizational goals are. That's one thing that I try my best to help employers do is to connect what they're doing with their health and well-being strategy to align it with what is important at a higher level for the organization because there's a lot of ways that you can make that connection yeah. and I think again whether it's through the existing questions in the health risk assessment which there are many that could be connected to those overarching goals, or if it's adding in custom, that can be really helpful too. So you can kind of keep it all in one place and not be adding another survey right. um, that feels a little out of place. It's like, nope, it's all, it all comes from this. And we know that people are going to, going to answer it at least annually. And certainly, again, some of the populations that I work with, that they already have great engagement with this particular assessment. Mm -hmm. It's like, use that <laughs> you, because it's incentivized or, or for whatever reason it is that people are just used to taking it. Use that to your advantage and ask some additional questions rather than putting out a separate survey where you right. might get a small fraction of that. Right. So then it feels more cohesive, less just disjointed. Yes. And then to your point, the use of the smaller point in time type survey experiences where it's much smaller in nature, very focused question through more of a, a pulse type survey is a great way to augment all of the other data that is being captured through the assessment. So again, that would represent much more point in time, very yes. specific focused questions. And we actually just released information to support pulse surveys around mental health assessment, for example. And so oh, cool. um, providing a number of different question opportunities to keep a pulse on the state of the population as it relates to mental health. So there's a lot of utility there as well. 
That's great. And I think that's especially important because of what we've all experienced over the last couple of years and how something relevant. Yeah, something could happen that can change the state of everyone's mental health in the blink of an eye. Like, oh, wow, this just happened. A pandemic just happened or something political that's going on or in the organization. If, say, there's layoffs happening or there's a merger or, God forbid, there's like a death of an an employee or something, you know, that can shift very quickly in terms of what people need. And so the opportunity to not have to overhaul the the annual HRA, but to use that opportunity to use a pulse survey is really beneficial. Yeah. And I think one of the very important points to think about with health assessment, with use of additional questions, with pulse survey is that we really want to be asking what the organization is prepared to hear and what the organization Mm. is prepared to take action on. That's the other thing we like to think about (laughs) is there's data capture for the sake of data capture, but then there's the really meaningful act of collecting the information so that you may take action on it. And maybe early on, that's to help define what the strategy looks like. And in many instances, the information is very highly and immediately actionable for an organization to take. So we're seeing this happening in the population, or if we're segmenting the data to look at trends based off of different subgroups within a population, then that also makes the information more targeted and actionable. So I think that's something really important also to think about as it relates to the overall utility and best practice approaches to implementing health assessment. Yes, so much opportunity. All right. I'm curious if there's anything else, Greg or Aaron, that you felt like I really want to say this. The tool in and of itself is a really important component of a best-in-class health and well-being program. It is an experience that has value to the organization in terms of the data that is captured to help inform program design, to help inform strategy, to help show value and demonstrate success over time, the impact that we're having in a population, and then value to the end user in terms of creating those teachable moments, help guiding them towards a path of well-being, which is what we're all striving for. That is the mission at WebMD is to empower organizations and their populations to improve their well-being. And the health assessment is one very important component to help enable us in doing that. I don't think there is any better way to end our conversation (laughs) than with that. Thank you both so much for joining us today. I know, I will say, I know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this conversation because again, it's a topic that's been coming up a lot. So I'm excited to share this with everyone and help them to understand what I think we all know well, that done right, a health risk assessment is a very valuable tool. So thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bridget.
I loved Aaron's call out that in order to realize the full benefits of an HRA, it's really imperative that the organization is also establishing a culture of well-being focused on trust. It's pretty clear from this conversation that a well-designed and well-implemented health risk assessment can provide tremendous value to employees and also to the employer. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our next episode to well-being at work.